Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening to First Responders Psychological Support. I'm Sarah Gura. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor in the state of Illinois. I am an ENDR therapist, a yoga teacher, and my practice is the self-care path in Burr Ridge where I treat first responders. This is season two, episode three, Know Thyself, Love Thyself. And as always, we'll take a nice deep breath in. Hopefully you can close your eyes and just exhale and allow that to melt down and through the body. And as you continue to breathe, I would love for you to straighten the spine, pull the shoulders down away from the ears, ground yourself in your sit bones if you're sitting down or through your feet, really feeling all four corners of the feet and just allowing yourself to relax and of course prepare to listen. I wanted to talk about know thyself, love thyself, because it's interesting how I got there myself. Um, Of course, I have my own journey and with it or when it comes to first responders and my journey with them, I always tell people very honestly that I am not the same person as I was I am not the same therapist that I was uh, 10, 11 years ago. When I first started uh, working with first responders, I was very curious and I was also quite shocked at what I was hearing. But then it became fascinating and interesting and kind of cool and fun. And, you know, people thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. Um, There was an enthusiasm. I always felt that when I was around police or fire, uh, that there was interest in what I was saying or doing. I had my moments where I was like, gosh, what do they think? Of course, I've mentioned that before. But, you know, year after year, I started to gain some confidence that what I was saying mattered somehow even though I haven't always been sure why or how. But after a year or two, around that mark, I started to notice my own compassion fatigue. And it would be little things. Like I really wanted people to be kind to each other. I actually got very sensitive about animal slaughter. (laughs) Like that I I went um, vegetarian, almost vegan for five years. I think it was because I just couldn't... stand the idea of violence toward anything. Um, So there were little subtle cues in my life where I realized I was just really craving some peace. So, you know, I went to work, I listened to human illness, human death, human suffering, human stupidity and property destruction. You've heard me say that a million times. And I noticed my sensitivity to any of that stuff on the outside. So, you know, no news and not wanting to see anyone be mean to another person. And I really noticed that sensitivity, even though at work, I thought I was doing just fine. (laughs) You know, so I started to sound like a first responder, probably. But anyway, um, over time, I started to, of course, dig deeper and deeper into into some of the problems that first responders were bringing me. And I had to learn, grow, and develop myself. I had to get ahead of the pace that I was experiencing my own pain and suffering because of the knowledge that we are all exposed to. And I was always into yoga. I, you know, 
and then I got more serious into yoga, but then I really was seeking it out to understand. So this may be the most Buddhist psychology podcast, other than maybe when I do the spiritual podcast that you will hear me do. Um, This is where when I say I'm a yoga teacher, you're going to hear uh, some of that yogi information and knowledge. But I do put this Buddhist psychology ahead of some of the theories in psychology. The reason being is that um, you guys don't argue me when I when I talk about this, and that's that's precious to me. So I will in future podcasts talk about psychology and developmental psychology, and I will talk about all the different things that psychology has to offer as far as knowing thyself to love thyself, but. There is just something really beautiful about this knowledge. And one of the things that I love the most about it is it works for you. So I'm going to talk about know thyself, love thyself as a first responder therapist for my first responder clients. Now, that's just a a brief explanation about how I got here. But I also want to acknowledge that this information is not for everyone, Uh, although I have experienced some wonderful success and change with my clients because of it. I also want to put that disclaimer out there that I know, I know that I'm not for everyone. (laughs) Like, it's okay. I don't have to be for everyone. Um, I say that in my personal life and my professional life. I think when I was younger, I could have been a people pleaser, or I wanted to make sure that everyone liked me, and that everyone was satisfied with what I was doing. And hopefully the same is happening for you, that as you come into your own and the more that you know yourself and the more that you love yourself, you can very much so realize that you are not for everyone and that is totally okay. But to jump right in, the first idea I want to talk about is my tree. So it sounds like my tree, but it's spelled M-A-I. T-R-I. And this concept is about loving kindness toward yourself. So you may hear me uh, talk about love, gratitude, kindness, compassion, and wisdom. That's my mantra, right? When I need to refocus my energies, my efforts, I ask myself, you know, does this follow the path that you have put value on for yourself? And that path is love, love always first. And then gratitude, kindness, compassion, and wisdom. And so my tree, I think, is a beautiful concept that I want you to start cultivating with intention and self-awareness. And you put some action toward it so that you can be very loving and kind toward yourself. This is probably one of the highest wisdoms that a human being can um, set set on, you know, like get on a path. I think that no one argues this. It sounds too lovely, right? Um, But they will question if they need it in a higher dose. Uh, A lot of first responders are used to being stoic. They have high pain tolerances. They can do with the bare minimums. And while I think that's impressive, and I'm glad that some of you can pull that off at work, Uh, in your personal life and in relationship to yourself, it can create a lot of vulnerability and weakness if you do not love yourself. And so a part of me knows that the bottom line 
idea in therapy is to get to love yourself better. And if that doesn't work, I just increase the dose. And if that doesn't work, we increase the dose of love again. And the more and more that you love all the parts of yourself and that you truly know and understand yourself so that you can love all those parts of yourself, I know that you're going to get better on your own. Because one of the things I do not want to do is to create a following or have clients for years and years and years and years and years, and and they're dependent on me. Um, My goal is to get you very independent. Now, when I say that, you are more than welcome. Um, So if any of the clients are listening to this, I'm not trying to boot you out at all. But what I want you to do is to be able to live the other six days and 23 hours that you are not in the office with me as genuinely and as authentically as possible. And you cannot do genuine and authentic without love. Certainly, you can't do it without self-love. And so some people ask, well, how do you do this? How do you, how do, you do that? And there's, you know, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. There's something called the Eightfold Path. And in yoga... Uh, We talk about the eightfold path and how it is your journey uh, or lifestyle in this lifetime. And the first element of the eightfold path is called a yama. (laughs) And it just means to be ethical to others. Uh, Do no harm. Be benevolent. Be responsible. Work to unify and be very simple and generous in those interactions Those are the things that you can do externally of yourself to create a good base for enjoying who you are. Now, the second of the Eightfold Path is called a Niyama. And that just means you've got to be ethical to yourself as well. This is an internal experience of having clearness or clarity. So the mind will always lean and you want to come back into alignment so that you have clear seeing is what we say. And of course, I'll always be talking about that throughout this podcast, and I have in the past too. But the other part of niyama, or being ethical to yourself, is having contentment, and having discipline, and engaging in self-study, which if you're listening to this podcast, I believe that's part of it. And to allow yourself to surrender. And when I say that, You know, they can say surrender to something bigger than you, surrender to a higher power, surrender to God, Um, but it doesn't have to be that. Sometimes I just say I'm going to surrender to love uh, or that lifestyle of my tree, or I can surrender to the fact that I am not the end-all be-all. I do not have all the answers. I don't know everything. Something else, someone else does. So... Those are the first two of this eightfold path. The third of the eightfold path, once you lay this foundation of yama and niyama, is asana. So the word asana means posture. And to me, I think that's a broad definition. In yoga, it literally means the postures that you're doing in yoga class. But in life, asana to to me means how are you orienting yourself? How are you standing in life? Um, what are you doing, (laughs) you know, uh, as far as your motion and your movement. And once you get that into clear seeing and you understand what you want to do as far as the next move may be in the present moment, then there's this idea of breathing life into it. That's called pranayama. 
And pranayama means life force. It's your breath. And if we look up pranayama on Google, there's a million ways to breathe that do many beautiful healing things. And the breath is super interesting or of interest in the yoga world uh, because, again, it makes so much possible. And as first responders, you all know that the airway is a big deal, but pranayama or breathing that life force into your posture and into your ethics for yourself and others, of course, is a beautiful step in this process of self-love. And once you have that foundation is how I look at it, you can go into something called pratyahara. And I love that word. That's probably the one that I focus on the most in first responder therapy, because it's about turning inward. It's withdrawing from your senses. It's withdrawing from this external world that you are always so damn focused on. And you, you, you turn inward to get to know yourself. And therapy has to take you on a journey of getting to know yourself. And the next step in the eightfold path is called dharana, which is concentration. And therapy is a concentration to get you to look without looking away. I want you to look at yourself and your past and your actions and the meaning of it without looking away. And then we get into dhyana, which is a meditation. So that's the seventh part of the eightfold path. And of course, you can look this up on Google. You'll find it fast. But I think that there is a way to understand that life can be a meditation. I mean, certainly there's sitting down and actually meditating, but the way we work and the way we live can be a meditation as well. And when we start to understand that we can love ourselves in this beautiful type of lifestyle, we can get to what the yogis call samadhi. They call that pure bliss uh, or ananda. Ananda means happiness. And so people ask me all the time, how do you get happy? How do you make your life better? And in my mind, sometimes I go through this eightfold path, but my short answer to you is usually whatever you do is what you're going to be. So if you do happy things, you will be a happy person. And in the end, the yama, niyama, asana, pranayama, pratyahara, dharana, dhyana, samadhi <laughs> is the eightfold path in Sanskrit. Um, that's that's the path or the way. And in um, yoga, we say sadhana. And that's your daily path or lifestyle that gets you to where you want to go. And I know that sounded uh, like a foreign language because it was. But the goal here is to take these ideas and align the head and heart and to let yourself align the mind and body so that you very carefully are listening to yourself and doing very loving, kind things in your life. Now, in first responder land, when you're constantly faced with negativity and the brutality of existence and the fucking chaos of it, um, you might say, what the hell are you talking about, Sarah? Do I really need this? Or I don't need that? Or what if that weakens me? What if it makes me vulnerable? Um, but I guarantee it won't. I guarantee when you have a sound mind and body and you are in alignment, you are not going to have that negativity dump. I think of an adrenal dump. I think of shaking. I think of 
being upset. I think of how you might want to ignore, deny, numb, or minimize whatever is going on around you. Instead, you will be able to face it with clarity. And I love hearing uh, on the Leo side, for example, when they engage in this process, they say, you know, I was on this call and there was a shooting and I was good. I was actually good. Or I was confronting a family member and I was good. And when I hear on the fire side, you know, I went in and I did my job and I felt amazing, whether that's EMS call or a fire call. And they tell me like, I feel solid that to me is is the amazing result that all of you are going for in the first place. But we have to sometimes break it down. Like, well, how do you how do you get there? What are the steps? And you guys are notorious for wanting the check mark box list and the one, two, three, four, and I'll be happy. And it doesn't exactly work that way. But talking about this should should help set some things in motion. Now. If you do Google the Eightfold Path, you may also find another type of Eightfold Path that talks about rightness. And I say right very loosely, but it says you have to have the right view or perspective. You have to have the right intention with the right speech, the right action. You have to have the right livelihood. And maybe we can sort of interpret livelihood as respect for life. And if you have the right effort and the right concentration, you will have the right mindfulness. And that is also why I teach the class first responders and mindfulness, because I know that the more mindful you are, the more comfortable you become. So what is that going to do? Like, what am I selling or not selling? But what am I trying to explain to you? You have to get through at least the four folds of mind. Now, there are many other layers of the mind that I could talk about all day, but let's talk about the four folds of mind that you're going to have to get through. Number one is called manas. And that's just the mind perceiving this life. That's a layer of the mind that uses, you know, the senses and the body and the actual brain to notice that you're alive. So there's level one. Then there's buddhi. <laughs> Sounds funny, but that's your intelligence. That's your intelligent mind. And many of you, I always say, are, you're very intelligent and you are very high functioning. And I enjoy your humor and your intention to, you know, make a really shitty, terrible moment better. So, you know, obviously so much respect for that uh, as a first responder therapist. But we also have to get through ahamkara, which is your ego, your I-ness. And I talked about that in previous podcasts. So if you heard those before, that's your shadow um, or your ego or the thing that gets in the way, probably the most in the first responder world, is that I-ness, the limited I. And the other thing, because you can't get through that part um, on your own sometimes, is this concept of chitta or chitta verti, we call that. And what that is, is your monkey brain. It's the clutter, it's the hamster wheel, it's your ruminating and racing mind that just gets in the way of you being at some kind of peace or balance and alignment. So again, those are beautiful concepts and words in yoga, um, but it works for the mind as well. And you have to want to have your whole being in some kind of an alignment. 
um, in order to know thyself and love thyself. So what are all the parts for you to know so that you can do this eightfold path and these suggestions um, that I'm making? You have to know once again that you have a physical body. You have to include that in your existence. It's your very tangible body that has all those senses that communicate right through your brainstem and into the brain and then into the mind. So we have to acknowledge your physical body has some felt sense to it that is always trying to tell you something very wise. You guys tend to ignore that because you've been told, pull up your big girl pants, stop being a pussy, and you know what are you crying for? Because if you cry about it, talk about it, or ask for help, maybe you're not fit to do the job. I know you hear me say that a thousand times, but I'm going to keep going with it um, because it's through the physical body that we tend to control you the most. And so we have to give that some liberation, but you have to notice it. You have to actually feel your feelings and notice what you're sensing. But the second body is the vital body. And that's your physiological body, your heartbeat, your liver function, your stomach, your spleen, your pancreas, your duodendum, which connects your stomach to your intestines. You know, all those things in there, your lungs are to help you live. That is your immune system. That is what makes your brain and brain stem, your central nervous system possible. And if you don't love your organs and you feed it junk and toxins, it's not going to love you back, dudes. <laughs> it's just not. Um, but you have to find those things precious and you have to get to know them. They, For me, they, they each have a little personality that I have to tend to. Um, but the third body that you have to pay attention to, so we talked about the physical, the vital, and now we're going to talk about the mental body, that's your cognitive body. And the cognitive body are your thoughts and your feelings. And once again, you have to get to know them. You can't ignore and deny them or you're always going to offend them. And then if you're always offending yourself, life is going to offend yourself because that's what you're going to attract. Um, it's It's not like opposites attract when it comes to magnets. It's, you know, icky attracts icky and happy can attract happy. Um, and there, there's a deeper, you know, layer to that conversation because certainly bad things happen to good people. But I want you just to be thinking about the elements of your existence um, so that we can consider them all when you're trying to know yourself in order to love yourself. So the fourth one is your intellectual self. That's your spiritual self, which most of you love to deny. You're like, nah, spirituality's not for me. No, religion's not for me. Used to pray, don't anymore. Agnostic, atheist, whichever. I'm not asking you to sign up for anything that isn't human. Um, your intellectual self is your wisdom. And it's your knowing. It's your ethical, curious, pure self. Now, for me, that's a real spiritual side of me. If you don't want to call it spiritual, call it your intellectual self. And then of course we have the bliss body or the blissful self. And in yoga or in Ayurveda, we say that that is Anandamaya Kosha. So another bunch of strange sounding words, but what you're all looking for is that bliss body. And I'm sure you're all smiling just a little bit um, about the idea of what that could mean. But 
the it's very hard to achieve on earth it's kind of difficult because we are human and we have cravings and desires and ignorance and all this stuff but again i want you to notice the body and the different types of bodies that you have to deal with i mean we're kind of complicated we have a physical body a vital body a mental body an intellectual one and a bliss one so we're trying to put this all together so that we can know it understand it and love it now of course, because I'm a psychology nerd, we're going to focus a little bit on the mind for a moment. And I want you to emphasize and understand in this podcast that you have to receive vibrations as a human being. And those vibrations are called or noticed through your senses. So, you know, your eyes see, your nose smells, ears hear, taste buds, touch, all this stuff is a receiving of a vibration from the external world. And you have to learn to manage those senses because it's when those vibrations hit you. It's when you go into the heat of a fire or the heat of a domestic call or when you show up and you see a suicide and the brains are all over the wall. Sorry to be explicit. But that's you in the moment receiving a vibration from the external world And you have to learn to manage what you're sensing so that you don't become a reflection of what you're serving. Public servant means that you are serving an insane population. Um, I am not shy about saying that. I do see the beauty in the world. But for the most part, all I hear all day long in my office is the negative, chaotic, insane, stupid, ignorant bullshit of the universe. And Once again, we don't want to become a reflection of that. We want to treat it. And so I'm treating those who are serving all of that negativity. And you're going to need self-control in order to do it. And that self-control means noticing what your senses are making you think and feel. And what does it make you contemplate? What are you meditating on, if at all? Or is that where you take your leave? Is that where you start to numb out and deny what's really going on? But if you can take a moment to notice it and think so that you can sort through the information that you're constantly gathering, that is where comprehension comes from. This is where you begin to understand, oh my gosh, I am separate from this shit that I am serving. And in that concentration or that pondering, you can become more determined with a good intention and a good action plan to achieve happiness or contentment or peacefulness or the idea that the shit that this world is transferring me is what I do feel as counter-transference, but I don't, I, I can't, I don't have to become it. Like that feeling and that sensation that the world is sending me isn't mine to own. So Again, this is how we do in order to be. And I always say, do happy things to be a happy person. So that mind, that mind that's receiving, managing, um, contemplating, thinking, comprehending, concentrating on, and getting determined about is definitely of good focus for us. Now, we have to realize that it seems there is no end 
right? We have a theory in physics that once it's set in motion, we don't end. And yet we also have to think about impermanence. Nothing lasts in this world. So the earth is a really contradicting sort of place. And we're always going to have ourself to deal with. And my hope is that you do deal with yourself. And you realize that this idea of self um, is always going to be suffering in some way. And suffering in Buddhism is called dukkha. But most importantly, that suffering uh, that distracts us from our own alignment, that keeps us from alignment. In other words, we will lean, we will bend, and we can break because we get so damn distracted by our desires and our ill will or our laziness, our restlessness and our doubt. Um, because that happens all the time, I think that we suffer and we have to notice that suffering because that suffering is probably the, the easiest in to understanding thyself. In fact, I believe that's how we are wired I believe that any sign or symptom is the beginning of my cultivation or creation of wisdom. So if I'm really happy, I really don't have a reason to take a look at what's going on. I, I just enjoy the happiness and that's great. But when I notice something in my senses or my being that is uncomfortable, then I take a look at why did I lean? Why am I bending? How come it feels like I will break? And as I investigate all those parts of myself, I start to learn and grow. And that wisdom allows me to love myself better. Now, we get very attached, of course, to our own self-doctrine. Many of you are very attached to how you are. And you'll tell me um, with an aggressiveness, that's not who I am. That's not how I do things. Um, but you have a wrong view or your own little rites and rituals are exactly what's making things worse. And your senses and your pleasure are telling you, but I love this addiction. I love my gambling. I love my affairs. I love playing video games for hours. Um, all these different things that you guys do sometimes is just one big distraction from what you truly should be doing with your life. And when you come to me and say, I want to be happier, I have to say, well, we have to get rid of this delusion that your um, way of life is actually helping you. In fact, some of it was a little bit of brainwash. If you go through police and fire academy and your probation year, and you take on the full view of the first responder world, then you're not seeing the whole world. You're just seeing it through a lens. And that can create ignorance and unhealthy attachments, and even hatred and aversions to the very things that will heal you. So we have to face the facts. We have to face the facts that some of the things that you take in, in order to numb, deny, minimize, and ignore what's happening, um, it, it does very much so hurt you. So I want to say we have to face the facts that some of this stuff can kill you. So what does kill you? Um, there's three things uh, and they, that they say in Buddhist psychology that can really hurt you that I try very much so to educate you about so that you get away from it. Number one, when your organs clash with improper objects. Now that sounds very academic, um, but what we mean is what are you exposing your body to all the way from what causes cancer 
uh, it, just being in the Bay Area with the engines on um, or the truck on, even the ambulance, of course, um, to what are you drinking? What are you smoking? What are you eating? How are you hydrating? Do you wake up and have a bunch of Red Bull and then switch to coffee for the rest of the day? Like when's the last time you just had some water? Maybe water with some lemon in it. Um, that lemon, of course, is going to help balance your pH levels, which is really good because when your pH levels are imbalanced, you become more vulnerable to disease. But that's the number one, number one of three of things that can kill you is when your organs clash with improper objects. And a lot of the time you are making the choice to clash with that substance or object. Now, the second one is a crime of wisdom, just not knowing your ignorance your unwillingness to learn what does it really mean to self-care? What does it really mean to do this job and feed on all this toxicity and have to take care of yourself or suffer the consequence? And the third one is just time. You know, that's the third thing that will kill you. So in other words, you have to take care of your body, you have to take care of your mind, and you have to realize that every day that you exist is a moment in time that your body will age and get towards or closer to its end. And with that, it's like, well, what are you waiting for? A lot of you want to wait to be happy. I'll be happy when I pay my truck off. I'll be happy when I pass my lieutenant's exam. I'll be happy when I go on vacation. I'll be happy when this year is over. Well, what are you going to do in the meantime? <laughs> like, what, what are you going to wait? I want to wait and wait and wait until I can be happy. And when you finally get there, you'll notice you're not happier. You just have arrived at another moment. So each moment is precious. The right now moment is precious. And you really do need to self-care right now in order to love yourself better. And in the Buddhist psychology world, we talk about how do you self-care to love thyself? You do meditation. You act in a moral way which includes both the eightfold paths that I talked about earlier, and you allow yourself to be wise. So meditation, morality, and wisdom. And we're always going to be at a fork in the road. That's the silly thing about this earth and about being a first responder. I think we have a chance to see that more up close and personally working with the public like this. And that fork in the road to me only has two options. You can be wise or unwise. It's not good or bad. It's not right or wrong. The fork in the road is just wise or unwise. And if you happen to choose the unwise path, that's not wrong. It's not bad. You're human. Welcome. All it means is you had to go on that un unwise path in that fork in the road so that you can learn and grow and develop. It's not offensive. It's human. And you don't have to know everything. You know, you've never been this age before. I always feel like I have to emphasize when you were 15, you were never 15 before. When you were 20, you were never 20 before. And the same with 25, 30, 35, 40, even a 60 year old has never been 60 before. <laughs> so it's okay. And ignorance is totally a part of being human. So when you get into that fork in the road, if you choose the wise direction, great. You're using your past knowledge and experience to do something kind for your future or tomorrow self. And that right now moment feels amazing. But if you end up choosing something unwise, fine. Welcome. Welcome to the bandwagon of being human and sometimes stupid. No big deal. But 
with that knowledge of, okay, I have to be wise or unwise, I think you also need to understand something. It's a concept. It's called the Four Noble Truths. So again, in Buddhist psychology, uh, my little yogi brain knows that we have these four noble truths about existing. And to say them really quickly, there's dukkha, samudaya, naroda, maga. That's how I've heard them pronounced, right? All of this stuff probably has a little English uh, twist or English accent to it, even though they're not English words. But any whoosie. Dukkha is pain is inevitable, suffering is an option. That's what you're going to face at that fork in the road. And Samudaya is, that is always caused by ignorance, which is what I just talked about. The fork in the road and the four noble truths to me is like the English and Ayurvedic explanation. But then we have Naroda. And what that means is we can overcome this by understanding that fork in the road. And knowing that, you know, before we make a choice, we might have to meditate on it. We might have to really choose morality or ethics over our desire and our attachments and our cravings so that we can act wisely. But eliminating ignorance is not easy. We have to be very willing to learn. And we have to manage, once again, those desires and cravings in order to do it. So that, of course, once again, we have this idea of uh, liberation or freedom from, from the pain. So when we do that, when we all exist, let's say, as a human being, we are facing some deep and subtle impressions from our past. You know, what happened with our childhood or what happened um, yesterday is always going to uh, get noticed and it's going to create an ego and it's going to create some attachments and some other problems. But those deep and subtle impressions are what we need to get through in order to have clear seeing in the right now moment without judgment, but with wisdom. And by the way, those deep and subtle impressions are acknowledged uh, in the yogi world as samskaras. So that's the word for it. But that aside, we want to settle that karma, they'll say, so that we can have some moksha. And moksha means I'm going to, or I do have this in instinct toward freedom from my suffering. And my karma is there to show me as a sign or symptom, I like to say, of here's that pain, which is the entryway into understanding the self so that I can be wiser. So I hope that made some sense. There's like a, a trail of knowledge there that I really want to acknowledge that has a path to it that says like, here's the prescription for life. You have to have a good diet, a good lifestyle, and a good set of medicines to treat you. Now, I don't mean that literally, um, what I'm talking about is a sattvic lifestyle. Sattvic just means light and good, pure, and maybe we could say it's wonderful. But you have to feed on healthy, good ideas, food, and hydration. So sometimes people hear diet and they just think about the body. But I also want you to be thinking about all the different layers and elements of your existence. And that, to me, is how we cultivate love, self-love, self-understanding. Um, at least it's the base. 
So I'm creating some base so that when I talk in future podcasts, you can say, okay, this makes some sense. I can't just throw myself into negativity and think I'm going to come home and handle the dishes well. You may not. In fact, you might have a cow over dirty dishes in the sink or that the laundry is happening or that the dog is barking or that the kids are arguing or needy and need one more snack. Once again, um, when you notice that you are reacting to those little things in life poorly and yet you are trying to work so well at work, that to me is a clash, a sign and symptom that you need to tend toward the self. You need to turn inward. Now, with all these funky words and it sounds like we're using, you know, Buddhism instead of something else in the American culture to live, I want to refer to the Bible as well for a moment. Now, I'm not a religious person and I have no problem admitting that. As I said in the beginning, I'm not for everyone. But in the Bible, it says, God is love, love is God. And I can, I can buy that, right? I'm okay with that being a God or my God. And when we understand that the highest good is love and that that is something that we all can identify with without a judgment or without a doubt, I think then we know that we're on the right track. And if I can say that, God is love and love is God. I can also say that love is limitless. It never expires and it's abundant and that's amazing. And if you don't love yourself, then you're not going to be on the right track. Like there's just absolutely no way. So I also want to refer to the Bible story about Jesus for a second. Jesus and when he, there's a story about he feeds like a shit ton of people uh, with bread and fish. And when I was younger, I remember questioning that. I remember thinking, do they literally mean, like, did everybody get a scale of fish and a breadcrumb and they felt full? <laughs> I questioned that and I was like, what are they talking about? Um, but as I went through high school, I, I loved the idea of metaphors. And even through college, um, I tend to speak in metaphor even to understand things. And I thought, Ah, it's not the bread and fish, literally, although I understand some people believe that was a miracle. And and I think that's a beautiful thing to believe in, um, miracles by a higher power. But for me on this earth, I needed to think about it as this was symbolic of love. Jesus was loving and kind and compassionate. And that's that's what he was all about. So I think what that story was saying is love should be limitless. It should never expire. It should be abundant and it's full. So if you're not experiencing that kind of love to your, towards yourself, if you can't feed yourself the fish and bread daily, then you're missing out and you're not working uh, or living at your best. So how do we love yourself? How does one love oneself with all these crazy words, concepts, and ideas, and the, the way of Buddhism or Buddhist psychology? How do we actually interpret that in our own existence? Um, you have to turn inward, and you have to be introspective, and you have to notice the different parts of yourself. And that's a reference for some upcoming podcasts, because we talk about parts being um the thing that we have to notice in American psychology. 
But that internal dialogue, once again, when you turn inward and you get introspective so that you can get to know your different parts and understand them so that you can love them, that internal dialogue has to be of love, gratitude, kindness, compassion, and wisdom. You have to get to a place where you value yourself so much that others see exactly how to value you as well. But again, most of my clients as first responders, they come in and they don't even like themselves. They don't love themselves. They don't know how to because they are constantly denying, ignoring, numbing, and minimizing their experience. They're Their experience, of course, is through their senses and what they uh, see in the external world. So when you wake up to your whole self and you notice the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you don't deny the shit that hits the fan and how it burdens you, I mean, it's such a different journey. And so I always say, let's take a look at how are you living life? How are you knowing yourself or not knowing yourself? And can you understand it with some compassion so that you do better? And so again, in yoga or in Ayurveda, Buddhist psychology, we say something, it goes like this, loka samasta suki nu bhavantu. Now that all that means is I wish you um, to be happy, healthy, safe, and free in this lifetime. And to me, that circles back to the first concept that I talked about in this podcast, which was my tree. And my tree is loving kindness toward oneself. And when you do that, of course, when you start to understand the different parts, you can know thyself to love thyself. So again, I I feel like I may have talked in circles just a little bit, but let's at least get to know this foundation. Because again, there are many high-functioning clients that I treat. They're helpers, savers, rescuers, and protectors. And while they make everyone else's life better, they make that worst day better or safer, sometimes they turn inward and it's empty. Sometimes they go home and it's conflict and problems. And I want you guys to be able to approach yourself, excuse me, in life differently so that you can be a little more comfortable and happier as you approach life itself. So thank you for listening to First Responder Psychological Support. Again, I'm Sarah Gura, a licensed clinical professional counselor for first responders at the Self-Care Path in Burr Ridge, Illinois. I hope that you do life so it doesn't do you. Take good care and of course, stay safe.